With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Miami Valley Music Fest 2015. One of the best music festivals around returns July 30th to August 2nd. 2015 to showcase local and regional talent in the name of raising money for charity. The Miami Valley Music Fest is located at the Troy Eagles Campground at 2252 Troy Urbana Road in Troy, Ohio. The Miami Valley Music Fest is only 33 minutes north of the historic Oregon District. The Miami Valley Music Fest is an annual festival held in Troy, Ohio that combines art and giving, showcasing the region's best musicians and providing grants to regional charity organizations. Some of the artists performing this year are Shrug, Cricket Bows, Paging the Bel Airs, Lost on Eddings, and Magic Jackson. Please go to MiamiValleyMusicFest.com to purchase your tickets now. Come camp, hang out with friends, listen to some great music, and come to the Gym City Podcast booth for a chance to be on the podcast, as well as pick up some Gym City Podcast merch. The Miami Valley Valley Music Music Fest, Fest. where charity charity rocks. rocks. Uh Uh-oh, here comes trouble. Hey, what's up? This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on the Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Hey, this is Brendan Walsh, and you're listening to Izzy Rock on Tales from the Hard Side. These are tales from the hard side, painted so vivid, kicking real life stories, not woven or knitted. Izzy Rock brings that rawness to all who listen, dropping heavy knowledge, knowledge, and sharing some wisdom. Going down that rough road only makes you tougher. It's a beautiful struggle. Sometimes we suffer. Let the people know you aren't in this alone. This talk is deep, it cuts down to the bone. No fakeness here, this as real as it gets. Hazardous on the mic, kick it live and direct. Spread that vibe everywhere, all across the globe. The idea's real simple, there's no secret code. Reach out to the people, spread that positive energy. Cause we're all looking for a little bit of serenity. Whatever little part of this planet you live in, these tales from the hard side are now transmitting. Transmitting. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 169 of Tales from the Hard Side. I'm your host Izzy Rock. If you want to go to social media and follow me at the Izzy Rock, uh, basically on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to go check me out on Facebook, you can search Izzy Rock or Tales from the Hard Side podcast. Go like those if you if you dig the podcast. That would be really cool. Also go check out the Inspired Disorder Collective.com, a group of great podcasters over there, started by my friend Ray Taylor. Go check out fizzbutton.net. My boy Danny Penn over in Australia has got some awesome thing going on where he's bringing together a worldwide 
group of uh, podcast fans, and they're doing their own radio shows. So go check it out at fizzbutton.net. Um, I contribute to a podcast. I keep saying podcast. I contribute to a show on Wednesdays called Rock Request Wednesday by Fizz Button Madtown, um, hosted by Bad Andy. It's called Izzy's Homegrown Segment. And what I do is I add two songs from the Dayton, Ohio area. Describe those songs, and, and uh, you can listen to it anytime. Just go check out fizzbutton.net. And go check out the Gym City Podcast, which is a local podcast that I'm involved in that features all sorts of different things from festivals to businesses to the mayor of Dayton to um, restaurants, food. And I produce a lot of the content over there when it comes to music. When it comes to bands, I'll have bands come in and do a storyteller-type episode where I don't interview them. I have an outline, and then I go home and I edit it and post. So please go check that out. This podcast featuring Lou Stahl of the band Splattertude. He's the drummer for Splattertude, and he's just a great all-around dude. Very fun to be around, very fun to interview. So this podcast will be a simulcast to go up on the Gym City podcast. If you could please go leave me a voicemail and dial 937-265-2024. That would be awesome if you would leave a voicemail. And also, if you want to support the podcast, you want to sponsor the podcast, guys, I really need new equipment and um, a few more $100 away from completing my goal of getting a new computer. But I'm really trying to just um, keep the GoFundMe going. I really hate asking for money. I hate uh, posting it on social media. Um, but it kind of needs to be done as far as podcasts go. It'd be nice to get that funded through doing podcasts instead of putting it out from my own money. Um, I have some surgeries and stuff uh, that I had. I had a root canal and I have knee surgery coming up on May 27th. And the sad thing about the state of American healthcare is that just an MRI to see what was wrong with my knee costs $900. That's what I have to pay, $900. It was like 5000 something. So maybe I should consider myself fortunate that I only have to pay 900 of the 5000 But I think in a system where we spend 10 times more on our military than all the, the it, we spend more than the next 10 countries combined, I think that we should have some sort of system in place to have health care paid for with our tax dollars. But enough of that, enough of that. I want to tell you guys to go watch a movie, a summer. I love the big summer blockbuster movies. Uh, I love going, hold on just a second. As I was saying, I love the big summer blockbuster movies. Um, not all of them are great, but there's something about going and seeing a movie and it's a roller coaster ride of a movie. The action is there. It takes you away. You're not looking at your watch. You're not worried about 
what's going on out outside of the movie theater. You're engrossed in this movie. Not all movies are able to capture that. Some of them, there's some problems, especially with some of the big summer blockbuster movies. But I saw a movie by myself, I must say, uh, this past week. I beg you, if you want to see a movie in the theaters that is awesome, go see the new Mad Max. What I saw on screen, what George Miller, director George Miller, who directed the other uh, Mad Max movies, what he was able to capture on film with practical effects, I, I don't know how he did it. It's a it's a masterpiece. The beginning has some story. Shortly after the beginning starts, it gets into this basic two-hour-long car chase. And if you like car chase movies, oh my goodness, you cannot miss this movie. Visually, it's one of the most outstanding movies I've ever seen. Jimmy Martin, who is a, a movie reviewer for uh, the Geek Show podcast and the Mediocre Show, said on the Mediocre Show this past week that you could pause pretty much any frame of this movie and use that as a photograph, and it would be it would look like art. Like it's and it was rated R, which I don't know why it was rated R. Uh, there was no nudity. There wasn't a, very much gore, if at any. It was like very quick, and I don't remember a whole lot of foul language. Um, but it was a it was a great movie. So please go check that out. Anyway, this is my intro for Tales from the Hard Side. Um, this is I think I have one more episode uh, that I pre-recorded before I have a new batch of episodes coming out after that that are yet to be recorded. Um, I plan on doing a podcast coming up soon with my 15-year-old son. School's about to end, and we'll get an update about how his school year went. And um, I, I'm going to be off in the month of June for my surgery and for recovery. So I look forward to that. So here you go, guys. Here's podcast episode 169 of Tells from the Hard Side. Uh, by the way, the Mediocre Show is about to go past their 600th episode. 600th episode. That's impressive. So please go rate, review, and subscribe to the Tells from the Hard Side podcast on wherever you listen to it. And uh, take care of yourselves. Have a great week. And uh, I'll put something cool here, something Something short. I'll tell you what. I'll put from Deuterus. Here's a song called Cowboy Astronaut Millionaire by Deuterus. All right. It's a two minute song, two minute, couple second song. This, uh, it's been on my mind. It's been playing over and over in my head. I love this song. Love this band. They, they rocked at Sideshow. Here's Deuterus with Cowboy Astronaut Millionaire. The best fucking nerdcore punk rock band in the world.
What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Gym City Podcast and Tales from the Hard Side. It's a simulcast. And I want to tell you guys to please go to gymcitypodcast.com for more information. Follow Gym City Podcast on social media at Gym City Podcast. And follow me on social media at The Izzy Rock. You can go to theizzyrock.com for more information about the other podcasts that I do uh, on the Block Podcast with Scott Epic. And Tales from the Hard Side. So go check it out. Today I got on with me uh, Lou Stahl, who is in a few projects. Hmm. He is uh, the drummer for Splattertude. Yes. And uh, just an all-around great dude <laughs> involved in the Dayton, Dayton scene. So let's hey, let's talk to Lou. Rumor. What's up, Lou? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. It's uh, This has been a long time... Yes, it has. Yes, it has been uh, kind of an adventure trying to get this hooked up, isn't it? <laughs> it? It has, but it's finally happened. Well, yeah, on both sides, though. It's all good, though. Yes, yeah, so I'm glad. I'm glad to be here, man. Dude, let everybody know what websites, social media, and all that where people can find you. Uh, well, I got one of those fancy Facebooks, like everybody else. It's Lou Stall, L O U U. Stall, S-T-A-H-L, Facebook.com, and then uh, there's a Splattertude page, which is uh, on Facebook, too. Uh, Splattertude is uh, S-P-L-A-T-T-E-R, two T-U-D-E. And uh, we have one of those uh, ancient MySpace pages, but uh, you probably want to stay off of that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, as far as that goes, um, we have music on there, and of course, there's always a list of where we're going to be playing and doing that kind of stuff. And uh, I, you can always see me in the Oregon district. <laughs> nice, man, nice. What's your What's your favorite spot to go in the Oregon? Oh wow! Uh, wherever my boo leads me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw, I saw you recently at a record store day. Yes, yes. I I, I try not to miss that. Uh, for a couple of years, I was playing and uh would miss it and uh i got to cut, catch it a couple years ago and got to see the buffalo killers for the first time yeah and wow man that was just that was awesome that yeah. was a very cool show and i've tried not to miss it since so yeah that it's it's cool going down there and you see everybody <clears throat> and mm-hmm. uh seeing seeing the music that was that was down there the buffalo yeah. killers killed oh yeah yeah and it's great to see them kind of being like uh a traditional thing now yeah down there at the record store because uh you know being in bands and stuff you don't always get to see each other play or you might be playing and they might be playing or whatever but uh to get to see those guys man and just experience it not be playing and sit back and just listen to it you know and, yeah and of course with everybody else hanging out, i was standing next to chad wells and yeah you know you and <laughs> everybody else it was it was really cool That's and cool, casey man. from uh, uh, uh cherry lee and hot rod hounds yeah <laughs> we, we got a couple members of the of cherry lee and the hot rod hounds sitting with us yeah they're hanging the out <laughs> so man let me know about your origin story where uh where were you born where oh. where'd you grow up at well, I was born in the mountain. <laughs> I uh, actually a funny story. I was born outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, 
I was almost a taxi baby. Um, I, uh, from what I hear, my mom was playing casino, and I decided to say, hey, <laughs> here I am. You know, the kind of fear and loathing thing. I think that's maybe where the story came from. <laughs> Something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, born outside Las Vegas. Um, I'm a Cherokee Indian. My mom was uh, born and raised in the hills of Tennessee, Briar, Hillbilly, good old girl, yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, I'm a country boy and uh, pretty much grew up around here in Ohio, uh, Dayton area, Inglewood, um, went to Northmont, played football, wrestled, did all that kind of good stuff. And uh, came out here to Dayton when I was about 16, 17. Uh, <clears throat> I'll put this in here. I joined the <laughs> Marines when I was 17 years old. And then I got out when I was 21, and when I got out 21 is when I came back to Dayton and basically got really involved yeah. in the music scene. And at that time, you had a lot of great things going on, man. Just so much cool music going on. You had uh, Mundelux was playing, and uh, uh, Hunting Souls was still playing, and you had Shrug for the first time, and all these incredible bands, uh, Method and uh, Tim Taylor's band. Brainiac. Brainiac yeah. Oh my goodness, man. Those guys. First time I seen them, I was like, <gasps> I couldn't believe it, man. It was just blow me away. And just and uh uh Ben, we always talk about the Mulchman. Yeah, yeah. Really the cool, I man. Yeah. Them. What a fantastical band to watch, yeah. man. And you know, I was I got lucky uh coming back and getting involved and meeting the right people and talking to the right people and getting in the right scenes. I was playing in cover bands. And, you know, just making money, but uh, not really digging it because you're playing other stuff. And it's cool and everything. I have nothing against it, but uh, I wanted to do something else. I wanted to do something original. I wanted to do something different. And uh, met some of the right people, got introduced to this thing called Art Hop, which was on Main Street back in the day. And it was basically a open art gallery show, exhibit, everything. There was like 10 rooms and they all had different things. Sounds like bands. early sideshow. Yeah, what well, kind of? Yeah, kind of like that. that's why when I first time I seen the sideshow, I'm like, I get this. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Yeah, because every room was a different thing. Yeah, and you could go from the extremely strange to you know mediocre and cool, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, then you have bands and, and you know artists, and a lot of those people today are now in the scene yeah. that I did the art shows with, that I did the art hops with, and that we did a... Because uh, where we did was a Santa Clara, if okay. you're familiar with that, and uh, we did it where the old uh, sandwich shop was on upstairs, and those buildings have been kind of closed. Yeah. So, you know, just a bunch of damn hippies, you know, having music and hanging out and having fun, you know, and showing art off and people doing... Joel Robinson, I don't know if you know, he is a local artist, a friend of mine. He came from there. Okay. And now he's doing these tours and conventions and going around the country and the world doing all this big stuff and kind of got started doing that. So, you know, but the art hops and all these art shows that we used to do. Very cool, man. What was some of the uh, spots that you used to enjoy going to see shows back in the day? Sub galley. Sub galley. Yes. One of my North favorite. Uh, Aardvark room was a great one, which I think it was the same thing. But uh, just the back room. <laughs> um, I'm a product of Rebo's yeah. and Brookwood Hall. Yeah. Re Played that many, many times. Uh, McGuffey's 
and I do mean that as an old school McGuffey's. I mean that like back when, you know, it was fun to play and it was, you know, I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings, but <laughs> it's just fun to play. McGuffey's was a, when we were playing in a cover bands, if you got like a McGuffey's gig, you were doing good, man. That showed that, you know, you were getting, you know, people paying attention and you were doing all right. And those kind of things don't exist anymore. I'm not saying the scene ain't cool anymore, but people just don't take that as serious anymore. Sure. You know, because that was a serious thing. If you got all these gigs and you start booking every weekend, you're like, yeah, man, we're on our way. Right, yeah. right, right. We're snapping. We're popping. Now guys are like, yeah, I'm playing Friday night. You know, and you're just like, well, you know, if you don't want to do it, <laughs> guy across the street probably does. <laughs> yeah. The, that kind of thing. The, thing, the thing that a lot of people don't remember is that <coughs> there wasn't a place like blind bobs no there wasn't no for, for like heavy music to be played. you're absolutely like right that. when uh, blind bobs was night owl and i worked there oh nice and uh, you know i was a uh, you know all into that stuff and there wasn't no place for metal hardcore or any type of heavy bands to play yeah and uh mcguffey's yeah mcguffey's was just that about was it. it that was about it yeah and you had a few that were open for a little while, but, you know, McGuffey's was the big one throughout the whole time, and that was it. You know, and if you got lucky enough to play the ball arena at Harrow or, you know, down there at Bogarts or something, but, you know, other than that, McGuffey's, that was, you know, that's it. Gillies never played yeah. local bands right. back then. You know, thankfully and cool that they do now, but, right. you know, they never did back then. So, Do you remember when Bourbon Street was on Brown Street mm -hmm. and White Zombie played there. I sure do. I was there at that show, my friend, and I was there when uh, Mr. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember his name. It was the lead singer for the band. Mike and Justice? I, thank you very much. Mr. Mike Justice jumped off the stage and basically face-planted right into the freaking floor, and uh, uh, Sean from White Zombie came over and picked him up. Yep. I remember that very much, very vivid. That was one of the few shows when I first started doing the um, Gasly Movie Show with Bob. That was one of our very first shows doing it together because we had passes and interviewed Rob Zombie that night. Mm -hmm. Or Bob did. I just stood there with <laughs> But, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't allowed to play with the controls yet. So, <laughs> but uh, that was one of the uh, our very first shows together so white zombie at uh bourbon street man no kidding yeah too. and we'll, we'll transition into your music <clears throat> from from this Let, let's let's talk about this then because segue. you you yeah let's segue you uh you are involved with uh <coughs> a lot of the horrors like horror horror <laughs> um <The> horror <laughs> yes you have to you have to make sure you get the mars right <laughs> one of the one of the things that when i talked to you you mentioned dr creep yes yes yeah which Mr. barry hobart for people who uh are young you yeah. might not realize how big of a role Dr. Oh, Creep played wow, in people's goodness, lives. man. He's responsible. I'm probably sitting here today. <laughs> Very good part of it because, uh, yeah, that guy, I mean, not only was he a staple in just everywhere in the Dayton scene back in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, Dr. Creep, I mean, if you played peewee football or uh, little league uh, uh, baseball or anything and you were ever in a parade or you ever had anything like that you know you 
met Dr. Creep, you got to be around him, you understood what he's about. And if you love monster movies like I do, and the old Universal like I do, uh, I grew up on Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman, and Dr. Creep introduced me. <laughs> he's the one. So Saturday afternoons, and then uh, uh, it was uh, Saturday afternoons where I lived, and then he came back on as a repeat at like one thirty, yeah. and we would sneak up, of course, and watch it again. Just because, you know, they were cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was no big deal. And, uh, yeah, Dr. Creep, uh, yeah, I say this very respectfully, and, and, and it's a great honor that I got to know him and, and call him a friend. And uh, he passed away in 2010, and I was a pallbearer at his funeral. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, my daughter, who hopefully is listening to this, is uh, going to be listening to this, uh, she grew up with him and basically called him Uncle Creepy. It was that kind of thing. He became part of my family, and we did things together, not only for music and art and movies. We did family things together, and I really got to know this guy really well, and it still hurts me today. I'm getting a little choked up now, but it still hurts me today that he's gone, and I miss my friend very, very much, man. I miss him a lot, and I wish he was here, but I got to experience him, and I got to uh, be around him, and he had so much to do with the direction that I went into because <clears throat> I was a musician, but I had this love for horror movies, and I didn't really understand how to put it together and show my love for these movies and play music that I can dig at the same time. Yeah. And what he did was kind of go, come here, I want to show you something. And he kind of molded the rough sculpture and then went, okay, now go. And he hooked me up with Bob, Bob Hinton, a ghastly ghoul. And then, well, we haven't been apart for about 15, 17 years. <laughs> We're worse than a couple. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he introduced me to uh, Bob, and uh, we got started from there. And we started off, first band we started off in was Global Tango, and that was a good band. It did really, really well. We did uh, the uh, Washington Courthouse. Uh, Washington Courthouse. Sorry. The Courthouse Square nice. in downtown Dayton. <laughs> People in Washington Courthouse are going, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Courthouse Square in downtown Dayton, we played the Joan Jett shows. We played the Brian Setzer show. Uh, Brian played that show. And we played the uh, uh, 10,000 Maniac show. Wow, hold on. Joan Jett, where did Joan Jett play? Courthouse Square. Because I saw Joan Jett uh, play at um, Memorial Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Joan Jett, she plays around here a lot of regularly. I mean, Miss Hall of Fame now, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) especially with Miley Cyrus, how you gonna live that down? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So so you you opened up for Joan Jett? Uh, Yes, we did. We opened up for Joan Jett, yeah. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, and it's just a funny story I like saying, Bill Hauer opened for us. (laughs) Now, who's Bill Hauer? Hauer Music. Hauer Music. Yeah. It was a funny little thing. It was just like they got put on before us. So as we were walking up on stage and her walking off, Bill was like, hey, Lou. And I'm like, hey, Bill. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going on. Great show. And I just jump on stage and he's sitting there going... Huh. <laughs> it was just one of those things. It wasn't nothing big, but it was just a funny little thing because Bill Howard's huge here yeah. as a musician and drummer, especially. Yeah. So yeah, that, that kind of thing. That's cool. So you, <clears throat> so you're you're into what other what other bands were you? Ah, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Global Tango. We did the uh, Courthouse Squares, and I was in a um, 
metal band for a little while called uh, uh, Hollowed Earth. And what we did was kind of latched in with Nidea back in the day, who is uh, Paul Bard and Josh played with Noah. All right, Josh, Josh, if you hear this, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, played with Josh, and it was an idea, and then we had Subspecies and Late Night Jones. And these are all old bands, if you don't know who they are, I'm just dating bands, but we started a thing on 3rd Street. I'm old enough to be part of a lot of things that started. <laughs> we started a thing on 3rd Street called the Church of Rock and Roll, and it was, an, once again, an abandoned house that we found and somehow swindled our way in and turned it into a place to play music. And we brought in a lot of cool bands and a lot of bands that have stuff to do with what's going on today. Late Night Jones, who is now Dr. Meat and, you know, various other bands are just unbelievable. I mean, that was a freaking killer band. An idea, Paul Bard, who ended up playing bass for just about everybody. <laughs> a little mixture of uh, Mystery Addicts and everyone else and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, in one way or another, we all come from something or somewhere you know and we're all connected yeah and, you know this is a big town but once you get in the circle man it gets small that's what, <laughs> that's, that's what i'm discovering yeah, with uh yeah, gym city you know, podcast it's a close net and i like that you know because like i said when i started and i was playing in cover bands you get a lot of the uh, what i would call the typical dating attitude and that was the guys would stand there with their arms crossed and they kind of lean themselves against the post and give you that look like i could do that better and if they could, they would have been up there. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of thing. And then now, as you're meeting people and you get to know people and you, and you realize, you know, we're all in this together. There ain't no competition. You know I mean, if you get a gig, great. If I can get on it, that's great too. <laughs> that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, now it's just about, you know, helping each other out and, and being, being cool with each other. And then no competition. There's never been a competition because sometimes you probably wouldn't want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, be afraid of who you have to go up against. So you're playing in these early bands, and uh, Bob. Uh, yes, a Gaslego Ag, yeah. as we like to call him. So you guys connect, mm -hmm. and uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's you want to hear where we actually met for the first time? Sure. Aldi's. You met at Aldi's. Which Aldi's one? on Linden. On Linden, yeah. Yeah, Aldi's on Linden. We were walking by. I was walking this way, and he's walking that way, and he has his daughter with him, and. Um, Walked by, and we both kind of gave it the look like, hey, I know you. And we just kept walking, and I went and got cheese or something. And I came back around, and I seen him again. And then we started talking. And we stood there and talked like two women for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Just holding up traffic and everything. <laughs> I think we were in a fast checkout line or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of funny. We just started talking because she was playing in metal bands, and he was doing the Gas and Movie Show. And it was probably about five, six years and two running about that time and dr creep had his hand all over that and he helped him out big time and that was another thing like i said dr creep has always somehow some way been affiliated with my life since you know probably 22 or 3 and on you know he's just somehow always been connected to me and to up to his death so and uh i'm very happy for that and he's part of the reason i'm sitting here today because uh you know, he, like I say, he took me and just showed me how to put all these things together. And he also showed us, um, to segue into another thing, he showed us uh, horror, horror <laughs> conventions, uh, kind of like um, movie memorabilia, uh, drive-in uh, collector shows. But it's really, 
it's really cool because it's pretty much like a freak show and I love it and it's <laughs> awesome and the, the excitement and the energy and we, we, we got introduced to one called the Cinema Wasteland. It's yeah. up in Cleveland. It's a smaller one. But it turned out to be our baby and it's our thing now. And we are definitely part of this show. We have become the show. We do Saturday night shows there and we have been religiously for like seven years uh, they do it twice a year and uh, they do it in April and they do it in October and we play every Saturday night and it's a two hour show and it's skit comedies and parodies and just <laughs> debaucherism and some stuff that we probably don't plan and stuff we try to do plan and you know whatever else happens <laughs> that kind of stuff but in music too and that's where we also debut a lot of the stuff that we do for the soundtracks because we do also do uh movie soundtracks yeah we have been on two movie soundtracks uh bob and i have been in a couple b movies you know silliness but uh that kind of stuff know what movies Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so Bloody Madam and Biker Boys. <laughs> can, are those? Can you find quiet. those anywhere? No, <laughs> I made sure. <laughs> now, uh, these these were B movies, and they're done by. Uh, uh, one was done by Synapsis Films, and the other one was done by a uh, secondary film company of Troma. Who I've become good friends with now, you know, uh, yeah. Attack of Killer Tomatoes, right. Toxic Avenger, because we get to meet these people and interact with them as we're doing the conventions and stuff like that. So it was just fun. I'm always playing the biker guy or vampire, and you know, I, 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 I why can't I be a tramp or you know, homeless dude number four, <laughs> <laughs> you know, zombie two or something like that, you know. <laughs> I'm always the biker guy <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> now, um, uh, the, the uh, conventions, like I said, we get to interact with uh, actors and directors and uh, production companies and people who run their own movie companies and do their own movies. So we get to, uh, we have the ability to, Probably, you know, I mean, I don't want to say jump in on this stuff, but we're asked to do it and we want to do it. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, I can't say I don't because I do. I mean, I grew up on movies. I love movies, man. I mean, I'm a big nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> That's my roommates. I can just rattle for days <laughs> and I'll just throw things out there. You just be like, please. <laughs> so we'll, and we'll we'll get in, we'll get into that here in a little bit. We'll get into some of your uh, some of your inspirational movies and <laughs> and what got you in, into music. The Ghastly Movie Show. Mm -hmm. Talk talk about that a little bit. What what was it? What the where? Ghastly Movie Show was? Uh, I, all right, Doctor Creep had his shock theater, uh -huh. and out of shock theater came this kid watching it, and he grew up and said, "Hey, I want to do that." And that was Bob. And he started his own on DATV. Thankfully, we have a program here that you can, if you want to do this, if you haven't, you want to make movies, you want to get interested, and we have an outlet for that, thankfully, yeah. DATV and underground cable and stuff like that. So you can pursue making movies. And he wanted to make this TV show like Shock Theater, but in his opinion, a little hipper, a little cooler, you know, more modern day at that time. And this was... Uh, Early 80s, man. I can't, uh, 82, 83, if I had to guess. Wow. Yeah, I mean, seriously. And uh, 
it was very raw and, and, you know, of course, and all that stuff. I got to see his show probably in, first time I seen his show was in 89, I think okay. it was. Yeah, something like that. And I saw the episode, for some reason, ironically, I saw the episode with Dr. Creep. And that's what caught my attention. As soon yeah. as I seen it, I went, wow, cool, Dr. Creep. And I started watching it, and I liked it, and I'm like, okay, this guy's a complete disaster, but this is funny. <laughs> you know, you could tell this guy's got issues, but hey, it's fun. He's putting it together right, and it was really cool because he mixed it with a lot of cool music and a lot of cool old school uh, drive-in stuff. You know, I'm old enough to remember the drive-ins, real drive-ins back in the day when you would actually go with the family, and it was an adventure, and you had all kinds of craziness going on, and all the cool old uh, uh, bits they would play between the shows and cool little songs and all that. So he would just throw stuff in there like that, kind of the nostalgia kind of stuff, you know. And um, I came along, oh, probably about, like I said, I met him in Aldi. So I probably came along about three, four years after that. Um, and <laughs> as I say, the show got a little dirtier, got <laughs> 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 a little filthy. And not filthy as in vulgar, but just in, uh, you know, a little bit of sleaze rock and roll, you yeah. know, that kind of outlet, because that's my personality. That's the person I am. I love rock and roll. I am rock and roll. Uh, everything I do or say just kind of oozes that way. And uh, I came in with a love of old universal movies and, and horror and still loving the 70s and the 80s um b movies and some of those obscure movies that people would go oh man that was a great flick and you know i can tell you stories all day long about them because i just know them that well <laughs> that kind of stuff you know and you know and i've even stomached through a couple ones that i probably shouldn't have but i did it anyways for the love of movies <laughs> <laughs> there's a few that i've seen that i went man i'll never have to see that one again <laughs> I'm done with that one. <laughs> but I, I just, I love uh, movies that, uh, I mean, you know, before the CGIs, and I do love these nowadays technical movies. These are great, and we're living in a day and age that the possibilities are just endless, and that's a great thing. It's beautiful. You know, you got three hours of just flash, boom, 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 boom. Your head's just yeah like that and you're trying to focus all the time but it's great i like it but you know i i love that old movies that build up a little bit you got a little slocky stuff in there some camp and you know stuff it just kind of pokes at you a little bit you know and, and you know, other silly stuff you're just going man there ain't no way are you kidding right. <laughs> and then you know and after a while years but go by and you go man that's a great movie let's watch that again because you miss that stuff you miss that kind of old school nostalgia and that, that that feeling that some it would be like putting on a record man yeah you know i mean yeah, i don't definitely. care what anybody says cds mp3s they're all great put on a record sometimes kids yeah. just put on a record <laughs> you just let it soothe you let it come over you <laughs> right right understand what that was about you know just listening to it that way you know and i i don't you know there's just something about that old school mentality that kind of thing and like i said when bob was doing the Gassy Movie Show, he came out with that. He had a, a new modern touch, but he was still old school too because he grew up on the Dr. Creep stuff. And I came in on the second generation part of that, and I grew up on Dr. Creep and then started getting into the Gassy Movie Show. Yeah. And then one day shopping, I met Bob, and we got to talk, and we started talking about music and stuff, and he just said, hey, why don't you come on the show one day? You know, you're quick-witted, you're funny, you like to talk. <clears throat> 
and uh, you know that kind of thing we'll see what we can do and we came on and did a really cool bit it was real fun um he uh i'm trying to remember who was on the show dal thomas okay you remember i don't know if you know Sounds him. He, familiar. he was a comedian from this area he deceased uh, a couple years back but very well-known comedian did really well for himself uh dayton boy big friend of bob's that was a cool thing about bob a uh, good story about dr creep and dal thomas i lived with bob for six years bob was the kind of guy you never knew what to expect because one day i walked in my house and sitting on my couch was dr creep well, just awful. sitting on my couch you know and i walked in i'm like hey you're dr creep and he was like oh, i'm barry hobart and i'm like cool yeah right on dr creep <laughs> you know and i had met him like i said you know i played peewee uh baseball and football and all that and i met him in the parades and stuff when i was a kid and we we went to the autograph signings he used to do and stuff like that but this was my first real man-to-man sitting down talking to barry hobart yeah dr creep (laughs) and i was just like amazed and blown away but that as i discovered living in that house in that environment with bob being around these artists that he was around and being available to these guys Dal Thomas, Dr. Creep, a couple other people that he hung out with. He was a comedian on the road for a little while. So you never really knew what was going to happen. And he threw these people on the show. And that's what the show was just about. It was about creating and being arty. And, and you know, just if it's spurring the moment in the top of your head, if it works, man, go for it. You know what I mean? You know, and if it offends somebody, then it probably worked really well. Because <laughs> our motto was, is if someone complained about watching the show, we went, you watched it, though, didn't you? <laughs> you watched it. That's, we got you. <laughs> that's all it takes. But, uh, and then what happened was, is uh, as we were continuing doing the Gassy Movie Show, and uh, Dr. Creep was a big part of it, and he was still doing um, his... Um, appearances and going around Dayton and outside we were actually taking him on the road with us doing these conventions doing uh, cinema wasteland horror hound frightmare vision uh, nightmare scares and stuff like that and um, splatter to just kind of oozed its way out and I mean that <laughs> that's a good word for it we kind of got oozed its way out and basically what we started doing was is um we started doing these little comedy bits and on stage and kind of doing these rerun hash Cheech and Chong jokes and, you know, just trying to be funny, sure. you know, improv and spur the moment, try to be funny. And we start throwing music in like bongos and guitar, playing silly songs. We played the Grinch Stoke Christmas, Alice's Restaurant, just whatever popped off the top of our heads, you know, anything like that. And, and I'm just over there going, okay, put a beat to it, that kind of stuff. And, uh, Thankfully, we were good, and it grew from there. And then one day we're playing a small room. The next day we're playing the medium room. And then, wow, now we're playing a big room. Yeah. And now we got to put on a show. Yeah. Now we're going from 30 minutes, 45 minutes to two hours. Wow, two and hours. And now we're doing two hours. And not only we're we doing Wasteland, but now Whorehound wants us to do it. And Frightmare wants us to do it. And all these other places want us to do it, the two-hour show. So now we actually got to step up and do this. Yeah. You know, no more, you know, ha, 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 this is going to be funny. Right. Now we got to do this. So we got to work. And Spider 2 came out of that being a band consisting of Bob and I – because we've been playing together forever, and his wife, Kathy. 
And the idea was to be a scary band, to have that visual look and stage look and music yeah. appeal, you know, and not the psycho Billy, not the things people affiliate with horror because it's not all psychobilly. Right. Our music is a 70s psychedelic. Okay. We like to call it psychodelic. <laughs> that kind of thing. Because it is on the on that tip top of, you know, uh, it's psychotic. You know, it's we got songs about uh, serial killers. We got songs about uh, transforming and, you know, how real it can really be <laughs> to turn into something that you know and uh just we wrote songs with the ideas of uh monster movies and stuff that we all loved and and you just we weren't afraid to put it all out there you know anything like that we weren't in a band that where you can say well, we're only going to write songs about ex-girlfriends yeah or we're only going to write songs about getting drunk or we're only going to write songs about getting drunk with ex-girlfriends you know what i mean that kind of thing well <laughs> <laughs> you know but this was about hey you want to write a song about changing into a werewolf but actually metaphorically meaning you changing into whatever you are sure <laughs> that kind of thing or you want to write a song about uh you know uh, uh what is it uh, uh serial killer chasing you and then you chasing the serial killer those kind of things they you know kind of a strange twist and when we first started we went through kind of a lot of changes uh we had four, five, three members, <laughs> that kind of thing. It just, we're, we're, we were searching, we were looking, and we started off with a concept of being totally different, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to anybody, if they hear this, different than all the Dayton bands, because we didn't want to sound like every Dayton band. Sure. We didn't want to play every weekend in the same Dayton bars, and I don't mean that in any offensive, because I played the same bars. I've been there. I know. We wanted to come at it a different approach. We had an opportunity to play these conventions, to do something different, to not be another band, not to be a, a Dayton band that just plays these bars on the weekends. We had an opportunity to go out and play these conventions, which now it, people realize, man, it's really hard, and we worked to get there. I mean, like I said, we started doing small rooms and silly Cheech and Chong jokes thinking we were funny. So hoping we were funny, <laughs> you know, doing that and then growing up and then realizing, okay, now we got to put on a show. Now we really got to perform. Now hopefully we are good and we can do this. So that's what how that started. Inspired Tudes started out with the concept of Bob, uh, a guitar player by trade, playing bass with effects and a, uh, a organ harmony pedal i believe it's called <laughs> Very nice. i'm looking at the guitar player over here <laughs> not my guitar player but a guitar player uh he plays through that effects we do not have a guitar player he plays all the leads and all the different fills on his bass with the effects wow i am the drummer so there's only two instruments bob and i and then kathy sings and bob does backup and lead too now I the drumming I do is kind of like I do a backbeat drumming because I have to also put in the bass that resonance that that fill in so I've learned how to adapt to Bob that way we've been playing together so long that I know what he's going to do and I know a lot of guys can say this all the time and it's, it's it's the way it is you get to know somebody so well and play with them for so long that man I, you don't even have to look I won't even have to get I could I could yell it out 
I can tell you what he's going to do, you know, and he'll do it. And I just know how he's going to play. And that's the beautiful thing about how we play together. Because if you see us, the one thing most people say is that we have a big full sound for having only two instruments because we just, it's a combined noise. Uh, what was it? Um, organized chaos. Organized <laughs> chaos. <laughs> like, what was that cool word I heard the other day? <laughs> organized chaos yes yeah that was a good word for it uh that's how spider 2 came out and as i said as we're doing the conventions we got more opportunities and we got these chances and advantages they were advantages because we put ourselves in that position and uh now we do wasteland like i said do it twice a year we do hellhound twice a year and then we do probably about three or four individual other ones that were asked to come out and sometimes we'll play Sometimes we'll do the show. Sometimes we'll get on stage and we'll do comedy shows. And then sometimes we'll do both. So it all depends. That's another thing. We like to try to mix it up and not just be, you know, a yada yada band, you uh -huh. know, that kind of thing. We try to mix it up because, you know, the movie show wasn't just about movies. It was about some guy's vision and the fact that he was kind of funny and he can do weird things. And every once in a while he did something really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you were just like, hey, that was cool. Right on. That kind of thing, you know. So Splattertude spawned from that, and you guys started playing these shows. Now, if somebody was going to go see your show, like what would what would they expect? And um, this <laughs> this is probably expect? a great segue to play <laughs> one of the tracks. Yeah. What would you expect at a Splattertude show? Well, uh, you one expect me. <laughs> 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 That's definite for sure. Um, loudness 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 but not over not loudness to where it's annoying loudness loudness to where we get you we get your attention sure we we get your attention i like to say we go out and smack the audience but then again i don't want to be offensive but i am kind of a high energy guy when i get on stage so i just picture going out there and just leveling <laughs> just that it i mean my emotions when i'm playing i i it's a combined thing it's it's love and hate and lust and anger and you know it's all that yeah you know? so being nice i'm also being bad so <laughs> it's just the way i am and i don't know any other way to do it so i am a very animated person when i'm drumming and uh as a, I'm a symbol king, I believe the word is. Symbol king. Yeah, because I like to hit symbols a lot and bam, 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 and make loud noises and stuff like that. Um, so I, I guess what you would say, you know, you've come see our show. We're, we're very visual. I like to think that because Bob, we do the makeup. Now, if you can't like so, now we do home shows. Sometimes we don't always do the makeup. I guess I should say that too. Sometimes we'll just you know do the regular rock and roll thing because we can we can do that because we come from that genre in the era and just seriously get down and just put on the jeans and the t-shirt and rock out have a good time you know and i like doing that coming home sometimes i think it's fun inviting friends and hanging out with people and getting silly drunk and <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> well let, let's play uh let's play weird let's, wasteland okay weird wasteland that is the theme song to obviously cinema wasteland uh we wrote it probably a year within we uh, play in there and there was a two-year stretch where we play in wasteland and there was a lot of crazy things that happened and when you put um thousands and thousands of uh horror fanatic fans and you put them in this hotel 
and they're there all weekend. And you combined elements and and um, things and fun and debaucherism, and uh, you know just that good kind of American fun. Uh, one of the things that happened was is I, I had the um, great pleasure of being there when the electricity went out. Nice. The grid went. So now we're in a hotel with thousands of horror fanatic fans. <laughs> Lights out. <laughs> Pitch black. Right. This is how horror movies begin. Yeah. We're going crazy. <laughs> People are just loving it. I mean, we're they're singing like camp songs in the middle of the <laughs> hallways. And you know, we ever want you to see sea of uh, 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 cell phone lights. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And uh that kind of thing. And then, you know, you'll walk by and Michael Berryman from Hills Have Eyes will just walk by and you're like, hey, Michael Berryman. And you just keep going, you know. That can, but uh, that song is about a lot of those things that happened. Uh, the lights going out. Um, watching a three-foot Chinese lady stomp a mud hole into a guy who thought he was being all cutesy-cutesy <laughs> <laughs> with seven-inch heels on. And we uh, and the funny thing is, is that we have a video for this. It's on the YouTube, but the, all these th- things are in the song, and it's basically a just consistency of how weird and how crazy this place can get, and uh, that we love every minute of it. <laughs> all right. uh, well, go go ahead and introduce it. Okay, it's called Weird Weird Wasteland. All right, cool, man. We're now. Talking too much. No, dude, you're doing perfect. Okay. Don't ever come on. Oh well, no, you're, I know. You're, I, I've, you're, done you're, this, I've done this you're, before. You're I just you're want to make it sure going. because no, what happens goes. Great. What happens is I start stacking things. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'm stacking in my head, and I'm going, okay, get to this. Okay, get to this. You're, <laughs> you're doing fine. Yeah, you're doing fine. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I've done these before. I'm just like, well, then I go back. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing fine. So, well. Uh, that's why I said I find myself doing this. I'm like, oh, I need to back off. I got a <laughs> no, you, voice. You anyway, need to be so. closer. Do I? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so can I do the Lemmy thing? You can. Do <laughs> yeah. So, so we're back. Um, we're back. Now, red. Tell me about red. Red. Uh, red. Yes, red. Well, um, it's R E D D, and it's a train wreck song. Like I said, in Splatitude, we have the ability to write whatever we throw out there and if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't but i mean red worked and it's it's one thing it's um bob and i do these um uh gallops and they're train gallops and uh it's a very and it sounds just like a train and we do a big introduction to the song and we what the idea is basically um your life is a train wreck and you just hit top of the hill and you got no brakes nice and now you're just hold on buddy (laughs) and and it's that kind of thing you know one of the lyrics in the song is uh there is a light at every end of the tunnel but then again it could be the train you never know (laughs) that's what you know that's perfect man so let go ahead and introduce it okay this is a song about a bloody train wreck and uh sometimes portions of my life it's called red all right, so uh, we're back, and we're gonna we're gonna do one more track, and then we'll get into some uh, some history, some influences, and memorable shows. 
today in drunken history. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you would be great with that. Oh, I'm sure they probably have. They'd probably do what was that epic, the miniseries, <laughs> three days thing or something. <laughs> so, how long was the stand? Six hours. <laughs> we can go twelve. <laughs> so rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Now, rabbit hole is an interesting thing. Rabbit hole is probably now we have a few more originals, but uh, we are unfortunately right now we're in the midst of recording, um, trying to figure out our recorder. I mean, that's a beautiful thing because we're musicians and we know all these great technical things, but sometimes we don't know how to push on the on button. Yeah, and um, confuses us sometimes. So right now we're trying to figure out how to turn on the recorder. And uh, record. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but you know, we're just trying to get our stuff down and uh, figure out what we're going to do because we do have a couple more uh, newer songs. But Rabbit Hole is uh, totally a different song than pretty much all the uh, Red, uh, Equinox Lover, um, Monster Trap all have something in common where they're on the dark side. And I mean, dark side isn't like uh, Psycho, uh, maybe, you know, that. Um, that feeling of um, destructiveness, um, you know, and a little bit of monster movies and stuff. Rabbit Hole is a different twist. Rabbit Hole is a psyche kind of song. It's more of a, as it says, you're going down the rabbit hole. And uh, the trip begins, and, you know, you make it the way you want to make it, and hopefully you have fun. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's everybody's little trip. There's... Um, very uh, there's a lot of references to uh alice in wonderland there's a lot of references to willy wonka again stuff from our childhood from our past our stuff that we grew up on uh frank zappa 200 motels <laughs> the monkey's head stuff like that stuff i grew up on stuff bob grew up on you know just things that stuck in our head yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know hey wouldn't this be great if you could talk about it somehow in a song and we just kind of put it and then uh bob likes to write in very tongue twisting type phrasing okay and uh you'll hear a lot of that okay and a lot of uh just different type of patterns of vocals and stuff and hopefully you'll understand what we're trying to do with the recording we're trying to double lap the vocals and make it get that trippy little swirly falling down a rabbit hole sound and uh that's what it's all about. You know, if, if you go down your own rabbit hole, just make sure you have a good time. <laughs> all right. Well, introduce it. It's called The Rabbit Hole. Yeah. 
Must have been influenced. You 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 have a lot of the similar, like you're into music. Mm-hmm. I was into horror back in the day. Oh yeah. Um. So like I have a kinship with you when it comes to that. And I grew up around around the same era that you did, and I remember a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about your influences for drumming, man. How how did you get into wow. drumming? Get, and, okay. Uh, well, um, just like every kid in the seventies, and I do mean that. Truthfully, in the seventies, Kiss, yes, Peter Crest, man, uh, the big drum set, the flames, the cats, the makeup, the whole spiel. Yeah, I mean nowadays, as you listen to it, you go, "That's pretty schlocky." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back then, Kiss, yeah, man, there was you could not, you yeah, yeah, Kiss, yeah. definitely, just so much Kiss. On, on a side note, um, if you were a Kiss fan back in the day, there was some parents who they didn't want you hanging around with with their kids i had run-ins with that a couple times yeah because we were kiss fans i remember my mom um you remember what they used to say about kiss what it stood for nights and satan's side yeah (laughs) my mom uh who like i said before was a religious woman from the hills not to the point where she would get all Bible thumping on you, but the Knights and Satan Society thing got to her a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was just, she didn't understand that was just, mommy, it was just funny. It's, you know, who, who cares if it really is? I mean, it's Kiss. But uh, yeah, I, the Kiss was a thing. I mean, that's what made it so attractive, though, because yeah. it was it was dangerous. Yeah. You know, it was something so different. Parents didn't like it. So bam, it was cool. And, <laughs> and they were mysterious. <laughs> and they were mysterious. And they had a little story behind them. Like, yeah. you know, once again, like the Splattertooth thing. Yeah. You know, there wasn't just a, you know, okay, here's a band. Just, as the song says, just another band out of Boston. Yeah. Here, you know, here's another band. Here's another band. Yeah. These guys came out with a concept and an idea, and they were like, "We're going to take over." Plain and simple. Yeah. And man, my my young childhood age, they did. They were, they were huge. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kiss was everywhere, dude. And and as we know now, Mr. Gene Simmons, marketability, everything. I mean, he'll trademark anything. <laughs> but uh, marketing, you know. Genius. But that's just again, yes, marketing genius. Which you know, anybody who's been doing this long enough, it's it, it is a business, and you, you have to be smart about it. And they were brilliant. Yeah. You, you can't say anything. Like I said today, you listen to the music and go. Okay, but you know, but I mean, you, you can't give them credit, man, because they did it. Yeah, and well, they were huge, huge influence in my life. One of my favorite podcasts is a podcast named "Let There Be Talk" by a comedian <laughs> named Dean Del Rey, right. and he he started out as a huge Kiss fan as well. And somebody either he said it or somebody that he had on the show said that Kiss is the gateway drug into rock and roll. Yes, they are. Yeah, and yes. I think, yes. I, I think looking back and looking at how much of an impact they had on my life, I can remember going to Patterson Co-op back in the day 
And I, I wasn't really into Led Zeppelin at the right. time. Yeah. I was a huge Kiss fan. And I actually argued that Kiss was a better band than Led Zeppelin, which in <laughs> retrospect, you're like, Yeah, you wouldn't ah, do that today. But no, no I, I understand what you're saying because uh funny thing is, is my mom being a country woman, I grew up on Johnny Cash, Porter Wagner, Hee Haw, all this old school, great country music. But my brothers, <laughs> they're feeding me Kiss <laughs> and feeding me lots of it. And that was the bad boy stuff. And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, God of Thunder and, you know, uh, the rock and roller and all that. Just, I'm like blown away. And, and Kiss was a great thing at my age because it was a gateway. Yeah. It, it opened up. I did, I was listening to Kiss before Led Zeppelin. I was listening to Kiss before Black Sabbath. I yeah. was listening to Kiss before any of that because the only other things I was listening to was the stuff I could get from my mom. Yep. And then I would go to my brothers and go, hey, give me some of that Kiss. <laughs> yeah. And I'd go play that. And then, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, Kiss was definitely before, but it opened you up to all that. And all that. Th- thank yeah. God for all of that because, you know, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix and all that. So yeah, Kiss was uh, definitely the gate. Gene Simmons, and don't let him hear that. <laughs> no, Gene, you started it all. <laughs> so, you were right. So you uh, you transitioned. Um, you obviously you started getting into <coughs> more rock and roll. Yeah, man, I always had a thing for rock and roll. Elvis Presley, man, there was something about that. You know, when I was a kid, my mom, uh, as, you know, we were a big family. There was six of us, and uh, she had to work. My dad had to work. And my mom, I'm very proud to say this, my mom was an original go-go dancer. Man. We're talking the tassels, the boots, shaking like on a beach and everything, man, that whole thing. And I would go to work with her to pick up checks, and I can actually remember getting on stage and shaking like Elvis and doing <laughs> all this craziness, you know, and I, I just had that knack of not being afraid to perform and, and, and getting the reaction from people. And Elvis, you know, Elvis, and as I said, Johnny Cash, Chuck Berry, oh my goodness, yeah. Chuck Berry was a huge, huge influence on me. Um, anything, I mean, especially getting, I remember getting a hold of a uh, Jim Croce, a track, eight track yeah but i got hold of a jim croce eight track once and not that you know i'm saying he's the greatest or anything but that music too blew me away because it was so different man here was a guy that was so talented and so good man you were just like the his voice and the playing you were just oh my god you were just blown away and it wasn't my style of music at the time but it still caught my attention and that's i've always been attracted to that kind of thing i'm always i know i love my metal don't get me wrong pantera slayer that kind of stuff, but I also love my Elvis Presley. I love my Cure. I love my Depeche Mode. I, you know, I love my um, Trey Stone. I love my uh, Terry Lee and the Hot Rod Hounds. I love my Splatter Dude. My light latex brain. Throw a bunch of local bands out there. Y'all owe me money later. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that. Dark and, and it's great to have an eclectic mix of, uh, of yeah, styles. Yeah, I think, I think you have to, man. And the, the, the saddest thing to do, and here's a cliche, saddest thing to do is to trap yourself. Yeah. And and especially when there's so much variety out there, it's like everything else. Is you go to a buffet table, you may not eat everything, but boy, you're going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> how, how old were you when you got your first drum kit? Oh, wow. Okay, here's a good story. Now, my first act, you mean like toy drum kit whatever, or things whatever you put together whatever or whatever I started beating on? It was funny because um, my very first drum kit was a toy drum kit, and it was a Mickey Mouse drum kit. 
But that Mickey Mouse drum kit turned into something. It was like my first GoBot, the first Transformer. Yeah. Because I started to transform this Mickey Mouse drum set <laughs> into what I thought was a real drum set. Because then I would go get, uh, back in the 70s again, kids, you pretzel Mike Selk. Potato cans. Yeah. Uh, thin hubcaps. Oh, what else did we use? We actually get a snare. Somebody would go to high school or something, get a snare or something. I, somehow we got a snare. And uh, and a drum stool. Best thing in the whole damn set was a drum stool. <laughs> nicest set, nicest seat you ever saw. Um, that was the very first thing. And I don't even think we had a pedal. I think I actually kicked it with my foot. So that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that kind of and it sounded horrible and and it was great and I I thought I was the king. <laughs> I was up there trying to do bottom and everything and not really accomplishing much, but I was having fun and then uh progressed and uh makeshift sets. My very first real set uh, my mother helped me buy when I was uh 15 and it was a Remo Pro. And the reason I got that because most people would say Pearl Tama DW Remo Pro, which is a weird set, most drummers will tell you, because they are mainly a um, makers of heads. Uh, Terry Bazio, who played with um, Frank Zappa and uh, Missing Persons, was one of my favorite drummers because he was so different. He was just solid drummer, solid drummer. He played Remo. Mm. And I seen him endorsing Remo one day, and I went, wow, I want to check this out. And I went up to Howard Music, ding, 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 and um, one of the f locations that they've been at, the many locations, <laughs> they move around a lot. Uh, I went to Howard Music, and they had a white Mother of Pearl Remo Pro drum set, five-piece. And it uh, cost me 700-odd dollars at the time. And I put down 400 and my mom put down 100 and then I paid the rest off. Yeah. So that kind of thing. So I was getting support from my mom, which is a big, big deal for me. Um, but I did that because, like I said, my love for drumming and, and, and following these guys. Because I, not only John Bonham, not only the typical guys, Bill Ward, you know, uh, uh, Neil Peart, you know, and, you know, the, the gods. But I was also into guys like Mitch Mitchell. Okay. I talk about Mitch Mitchell religiously. If you sit around me long enough talking about drumming, you'll hear Mitch Mitchell a lot. Because Mitch Mitchell, me from Jimi Hendrix, one of the best damn drummers, hand down. Yeah. Hands down. Ginger Baker. Yeah. A madman. Yeah. Want to be him when I get old. Did you see, did you see the <laughs> yes, documentary? Yes, I did. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I want a sign that says, beware Mr. Lou. <laughs> I want a sign that says that outside my house. But uh, Ginger Baker, um, um, Buddy Rich, we Brian and I was just sitting here talking about that everything drums, no matter what, full circle, no matter where you start, where you end, or where you go in the beginning, it ends, begins, and always will with Buddy Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue <laughs> and into movies. And the reason I say it's yes. way into movies is because recently uh one of the movies that gained a lot of uh attention last year during the Oscars, JK Simmons played in it. Um was Whiplash, where mm -hmm. it was about a drummer, right? Who the the teacher his he wanted the next Charlie Parker, right? Then yeah, right. And Charlie, right, right. I mean, you know, back to the old style stuff. You know, I mean, there were so many great drummers. Like I said, I know I'm not trying to put down all the guys because everybody you say drumming people are going to throw out a lot of the same names sure. that you hear all the time. Now, you know, 
I, I, you know, not that I don't like these guys. I do like these guys, right. but I also like other things and, and the certain things that attracted me. Like I said, certain things that attracted me yeah. to their drumming and their different type. John Dinsmore from The Doors, the way he accented to Morrison, the way he had to stay on top of what that crazy man was going to do, you know, and make sure it sounded good and, yeah. you know, whatever happened, you know, uh, to be on spot like that and to be that versatile yeah. and to be able to just to make stuff up right like that and be good at it too that's beautiful man that's awesome mitch mitchell was the same way with Jimi hendrix you don't know what that man was gonna go he gonna set his guitar on fire how you gonna play to that yeah. <laughs> how you play to a guitar on fire <laughs> you just do oh, okay hit the cymbals a lot <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but i mean you know it's that spontaneous kind of stuff you know that's attracted me along with the john bonhams or along with the uh, neil perch and you know all those great gods you know, but like I said, it all ends, begins, and we'll start with Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich. So you, so you're a music, uh, movie fan as well. You were a horror, horror movie fan back in the yeah. day. Yeah, and not just horror. I, I love old action movies. Uh, I love old. I, I think what I like about it was just the the errors of those movies. I love black and whites, man. I really, I really do love black and whites because. You know, a good black and white because it didn't have the special effects and didn't have the advantages that most movies have today. Same thing with recording and, and productions and stuff you had to ad lib you had to come up with things you had to invent things that nowadays are being taken advantage of but you had to do these things on the spot basically out of the top of your head and that's to me inventiveness and 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 just being able to do that you know i mean to say okay you know make a monster um okay then you go make a monster yeah Frankenstein. There yeah. you go. I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just that kind of ability to do things. I think that's what appeals to me so much. I mean, yes, I've seen him thousands of times. I can narrate every movie to you. I can close my eyes and tell you scene for scene, but I will watch those movies over and over every time, no matter what, beginning to end. I will not stop. It's just uh, how I am. I love them that much. And I love the old mobster movies. I love, I even love Bot Costello and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, Abbott and Costello stuff was amazing oh, yeah. back then. Yeah, you know, and uh, the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, yeah. you know. A lot of people make pun of those because, you know, the one thing about uh, fans, movie fans and horror fans especially, they get a little fanatical, kind of like Trekkies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These people could take their stuff serious, you know, you know, and they like to see what you know and what you think you know and how good you really are and do you really know you know, this or that or this or that. And, you know, but uh, these people take it serious, you know, and, and a lot of them have a deep desired love for these movies, just like Star Trek and anything else like that. And I have a deep desired love for the black and whites and that old nostalgia. I think, um, the what's the only way if I could go back, I'd be a classic 30, 40 guy. Well, you know, probably I, I could, I could definitely hung out with Dean Martin and <laughs> Frank Sinatra, you know, maybe a Rat Packer. That would have been kind of cool. <laughs> I could see that. I like whiskey. <laughs> I like girls. <laughs> I think I <it> qualify. <laughs> so, so when did you see your first, uh, your first of the Universal Horror? My the first Universal films. Horror movie was definitely um, Doctor Creep. Uh, couldn't tell you when, but it was definitely a Doctor Creep. Um, Shock Theater, definitely, most definitely, because um, it introduced me to that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I remember, like I said, watching Dr. Creep, one of my favorite shows about Dr. Creep, watching him, he, he did an interview with Vincent Price. 
right there at Harrowina back in the day, talking 70 or something. This was a rerun when I saw it. But uh, Vincent Price, and they were showing all these old school uh, Hammer movies and, and, you know, these old school um, Vincent Price, uh, Edgar Allan Poe flicks that he did in the 70s and stuff like that. And uh, that's definitely anything like that, Hammer, uh, Universal, anything, Drive-In, definitely Dr. Creep. Yeah. Definitely Dr. Creep. Now, one of the first horror movies that dug in, got a real good grip on me, maybe even scared me a little bit, Phantasm. 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 Yeah, dude. And if anybody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> that, was a that movie, movie gave me the EBGBs, <laughs> man. I mean, we're talking, what is that, 78? So yeah. in realistic form, I was nine years old when that movie came out. Sure. And I was alive. And I remember seeing that movie, and I did the bed checks, you know, when you go to bed, making sure there's nothing under there, nothing back there. <laughs> okay. No creepy guys over here. No hands, no gravestone. You know, that movie was, it was the utmost. I mean, my love for horror movies and my love for the universal, that movie kind of changed me also in the fact that I went, Ooh, I like what they're doing. Because, <laughs> right. you know, the uh, uh, the big silver ball and the, the tall man, and the concept of that movie being dream reality, but also psycho scary and just trippy as hell, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, that movie definitely grabbed me, man. It, it definitely woke me up, you know. Yeah. And I, I started getting into uh, more of that kind of stuff. Uh, I started getting into um, uh, the Dead Zones, Dead the uh, Dawn of the Dead, George Romero. Yeah, Mr. Murray, uh, uh, just you know that kind of um, uh, trauma. trauma. Well, like I said, I've become friends with um, really cool stuff. Just stuff grew up online like that, and then you know, as your kid, you know, like you said, you grew up in the same uh, age as I did. Your friends, they're always hooking you up. Yeah. They're always saying, "Hey, man, I got this." You know, "Hey, uh, my brother had this," or you know, "I got this," and you know, and you're always checking new stuff out. First time I saw uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I saw it at the old uh, Contiki. Ah, yeah. I was going to ask it. Oh, yeah, movies. great story, man. Where, yeah. where you saw some movies. Yeah, yeah. Contiki was all. Oh, Contiki was huge for us. Yeah, it was huge. on uh, Salem uh, That Melody. Melody 49. Melody 49, which Melody. is still there, yeah. The Oh, way. yeah, it's still there. It cost an arm and leg and... You have to like uh, just sell your house off and <laughs> just to get in. But uh, no, Melody Forty Nine was huge. I saw Serpent and Rainbow there. Nice. I saw um, a blah blah blah. Uh, I um, uh, Last House on the Left, and I spit on your grave. The probably disturbing the original ones. The originals. Wow. Most disturbing double feature I've ever seen. Yeah, life. Last House. <laughs> it just made you feel really, really. Dirty yeah. when you left. <laughs> La- yeah, last no, those house, movies are hard. Last House on the Left was, uh, I saw that on VHS, mm-hmm. and it, it was one of the creepiest movies I saw. It is a creepy day. movie. It, and, and, you know, I, I reflect that too. Um, there's a movie that came out about 10 years ago. Uh, it was called The Others, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Another creepy movie, that kind of feel. Now, I do like what they're doing with horror movies. People ask me this all the time. Do you like the remakes? Do you like this? Do you like that? I do. I do like some of them. Some, But I do. Like, uh, I sat and watched The Evil Dead. The other, uh, uh, what, uh, as a matter of fact, watched The Evil Dead on Christmas Eve eating Chinese. Nice. Nice. So if anybody was looking for something to do on Christmas Eve, there you go. <laughs> I recommend it. It was pretty cool. I uh, saw the remake of Evil Dead, and I have to say, with all the Bruce Campbell puns and the parodies, and 
scary movie. Scary movie. Just a naturally scary movie. Yeah. Just awesome. Yeah. I liked it. I really liked it. Don't screw with it. Leave it alone. Done. Yeah. <laughs> but naturally scary movie. Yeah. And unfortunately, with the market abilities and people wanting to make fast money, there that's that's what happens to these movies nowadays. And you know, one of my favorite genres of movies is Japanese horror. Nice. I love Japanese horror because they're just the most inventive little weirdos you've ever just got into. I mean, Juwan and the audition and uh, uh, Itchy the killer and and go on old boy and blah, 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 blah. These movies are off the hook. That's why most American companies are remaking them now. Yeah. And they're digging into their well and you know that I think that's the only thing I really have against the the movie industry and stuff. It just it's not fresh anymore, sure. you know. And everyone's looking to make something over someone else. Yeah. So you know, I heard the other day they're remaking the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, really? See now, <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Give me a solid reason you would remake that movie. Yeah. Other than financial value, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. Sometimes that stuff surprises me when they talk about the remakes. There well, are, they're doing they, it for the money, and and that's why I say that. Unfortunately, the industry is like that, and it's just not the industry. It's everything. It's society. It's America. I love America. What, what do you think <laughs> of uh, Rob Zombie's movies? I like Rob Zombie's movies. The House of a Thousand Corpses, man. Um, I have had the honor and privilege of meeting some of these people: Bill uh-huh. Mosley, Sid Haig, uh, Sherry Zombie. Um, great movie. Uh, as you said, you grew up in my it, it, House of a Thousand Corpses is all the cool 80 movies yeah. slapped in one movie. Yep. And it's a little bit of portions of all these great movies that we watched and we grew up on, and he slapped it in a movie. And that's because he loves the same thing we love, and he's a big fan of it too, and you can see that. Yeah. Now, um, Devil's Rejects. Oof. Oh, wow. That was a brutal Man, one. Man, dude, that is a Jack <laughs> Kerouac road movie yeah. it's gonna give it's like a it's a film study movie yeah. i mean that movie is it it's a non-stop can't miss yeah. that's perfect movie perfect freaking movie yeah because it, it just it's perfect it keeps you involved um the halloweens are cool i like the halloweens that salem's lords of uh, lords of salem weird yeah that is a weird one weird 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 to point where even for i who can tell you plots of movies that don't even have plots. Weird. Yeah. 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 I, I'm a little lost on where he was going with that one. <laughs> Rosemary's Baby meets Salem's Lot. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like, huh. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to think of that one either. Uh, for well, Rob Zombie. I mean, he's also a fan like we are. And, right. You know, you got that obscure psyche, you know, and you, you put it down on paper. It, it sounds good. It looks good. Then you make it and you go, Huh? Did you, did, <laughs> did you see Kevin Smith's uh, uh, Tusk? His his horror movie? No, I did not. Yeah, no, I did it, not see that. It was a uh, it it had its moments, but it was. I did weird. see the donkey scene in Clerks too. Yeah. That was kind of a horrific thing. <laughs> if you want to talk about horror, <laughs> that's true horror, kids. <laughs> and the movie Bruno. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to throw that out there. Well, hey, dude, we're uh, we're. Oh, uh, about an hour and ten. Yes, 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 yes. So I, I'm a talker. No, man, it was great. This, Thank you this, very much. This has been I appreciate a great it. Podcast. Well, I hopefully uh, if I didn't talk your ear off, I have 
educated you or made you uh, remember some old school stuff, you know? Um, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time, man. I've been around this scene for a long time long periods and i've i've been able to like i keep saying i've been i've had the ability and the advantage of participating in some really cool stuff yeah being around and a lot of the dayton scenes and you know that back in the day and that well i remember back in the day because yeah. i was back in that day i was there with the art hops i was there with the uh church of rock and rolls we were there when um we were playing at 1470s 1470s yeah, yeah i mean i remember when blind bobs was the night owl I remember when some bars aren't even open now. McGuffey's yeah. was McGuffey's and, you know, other stuff like that. And, and you know, courthouse squares and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, and I, I'm very proud to be part of this scene. I'm very proud to be in, involved in it and my friends and the yeah. people I love dearly and admire dearly. And now with influences, too, if I can throw this in there, there's a lot of local people that I, I admire a lot. Like who? Well, Todd Weiner, <laughs> and um, I'm growing. I'm, I'm starting to gather a, a bunch of love for Mr. John DeBuck. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this guy is amazing, amazing. I didn't uh, spend a lot of time listening to him, unfortunately, before, and I've gotten the opportunity to listen to him now. And man, he's amazing, and it proves to you this this town, this this circle, this environment that we're in. Yeah. It's really cool, and it's not only cool to be a part of but it's also a blessing to be part of because i have that ability to hang out with these people like todd weiner jamie holiday eric pertle mr brian hoflick <laughs> miss cassandra barker <laughs> mr S skype krantz if i pronounced that right please <laughs> sorry you know uh terry lee and the hot rod hounds uh, dark backwards my, my latex brain uh throw a bunch of them out there danny uh, danny sowers love you brother um and unfortunately a lot of people that um are no longer with us too and and they influenced me too you know uh um jason dryden one of my dear old friends kevin kelly uh um uh i don't want to take it down jeremy frederick you know people like that these guys were talented musicians and not only talented musicians but great people yeah. and and artists and and the ability to create and that's the beautiful thing about it man you put yourself in that environment you know only good things can happen yeah music makes you do weird things man. it does right? <laughs> um, and an album that i've been uh or songs that i've been enjoying since i uh, did a podcast with uh the cricket bows oh uh, yes mr chad wells chad submitted four of four songs for that from their their upcoming album mm. diamonds that's not released yet right and i'm telling you what man well like, chad's a amazing. perfect example of this dating scene yeah i can remember chad wells when he was a baby face kid yeah. and he was <laughs> doing the jackalope thing and then he was all you know and he was good man they were great yeah. jackalopes was awesome yeah. to watch you know and then he progressed from there and he went on to other things and then the cricket bows came yeah. and you got to see this full circle yeah chad going now this man has an aura yeah. around him and he's got this light and it's really cool and i'm not trying to be trippy dippy or anything like that i mean dude really has a light around him man yeah, <laughs> yeah there's I mean, if you're around this guy long enough you'll understand what i'm saying the dude really does and he's a really cool guy and he's just i mean he's really He's amazing, and he's a talented, talented man. Not only uh, art, but music too. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we have a lot of those people. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The the more I'm getting into the scene, the more I'm and may I a lot say, of cool people. I don't know if you get enough credit either, but you appreciating us, we appreciate you yeah, for doing I, that. And uh, probably don't get this enough, but I thank you. 
Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming here and for putting up with the hide and seek and catch me if you can tag your it <laughs> kind of appointments that we had. Dude, it was- but, you know, that kind of thing. But no, I mean, you know, the, the people who do appreciate the music, you know, whether you're a musician or not, music is not only about playing an instrument, man. It's about hearing it. You know, yeah. that old saying, you can hear Jimmy, but do you really hear Jimmy? Yeah. Can you really hear him? Yeah. And that's what it's really about. And then people who love music and appreciate it. And the fact that we do this shit. <laughs> well, um, w- when is the next time somebody gets okay, Splattertude? Uh, oh, well, as a matter of fact, we just got booked for the Southwind Music Fest, July 24th and 25th at the Shawnee Caverns. And man, I am so stoked about this because being a little bit of partial Indian myself, and this being an Indian reservation, and I have been there myself, and it's a beautiful place. It's very sacred, very hip, very cool place to play. And we're on the bill with Cherry Lee and Hot Rod Hounds and tons of other killer bands. It's a two-day fest. That is going to be probably the closest local show sure. I believe we're going to be doing. And then we got um, Horror Hound is going to come up in, in Indianapolis. That's in September. Then we got um, uh, Cinema Wasteland again in october and in between there we have um chiller and that's going to be back in in uh, indianapolis nice so we have these conventions coming up um last week i just did a um photo shoot with mr randy jennings i don't know if you're familiar with him he's a rock and roll photographer for dayton guys incredible what a freaking camera he came in here dude he had two 1973 Polaroid pull-out zoom kind of camera. I mean, seriously, took all our pictures. It was awesome. That's why I'm saying about this town, you so much diversity around here, and people just not only playing music, people into art, people into photography, people into all kinds of cool. If it's it's cool and you can create, do it, man. Running up the flagpole and see salutes. That's right, dude. Well, let, let... Yes, I, I think that, I saw that picture. On yes, yes. Uh, no, he was an, a great guy. Like I said, we did that last week, and then this week I'm doing this. You know, it seems like even when you're not busy, you're busy. You yeah, know what I mean? Especially yeah. in this town, you yeah. know, because things can happen within a snap. You know, one yeah. dude will call you up and be like, "Hey, you know, blah blah blah." You know, I mean, we just got the grand word that we're all going to be blessed with the occasion of hopefully a son. <laughs> <laughs> Asan. I'm calling Asan. <laughs> That's what it's going to be called. <laughs> Mr. Hopefully Asan. And this is going to be an all day event, and it's going to be all the bands. Then Brian Hoflick, yeah. who is a very well known musician <laughs> in this town and is played in very caliber bands himself. Yeah. Many, many caliber bands. And the beautiful thing about that is we're going to put a night of his bands together and bring up a ton of different musicians yeah people who don't get a chance to play with each other anymore or people who haven't played with each other i get the opportunity of playing with some of these people so that's going to be a big thing for me it's going to be really fun that's the cool thing about this scene that's what i was saying about it i mean you never know what's going to happen you know one day you know you're sitting at home the next thing you know somebody calls up and say hey man we're having a jam down a blind bob's coming up Next thing you know, look who you got on stage. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, that's cool. You know? Yeah, dude. That's a beautiful thing about the local scenes and stuff like that. Well, uh, where's your social media at? Where- My, uh, like I said, it's on Facebook. Um, like everybody else, uh, it's Lou Stahl, but I spell it L-O-2-U-S, S-T-A-H-L, at Facebook.com. And then Splattertude's the same thing. Splattertude is S-P-L-A-T-T-E-R-T-U-D-E, Facebook.com. Um, 
that's about all I believe we got. We don't Twitter. <laughs> Lou don't Twitter. Uh, we don't, uh, unless I'm uh, behind, I think that's about it. <laughs> Good deal. I was going to say, if I'm behind, I could be behind. I'm just now learning how to do all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, thankfully, my uh, Bob is the uh, computer geek. Yeah. in the band so you always gotta have that i'm the social butterfly he's a computer geek awesome, <laughs> awesome. yeah you gotta have that <laughs> well thank thank you dude i, hey, I thank appreciate you, you being on i thank you i appreciate you asking me yeah and, man uh, um okay guys you guys can go to gymcitypodcast.com for more information follow gym city podcast on social media at gym city podcast follow me on social media at the izzy rock and go to the izzy rock.com uh please go rate review and subscribe You'll get it delivered as soon as the episode drops on your devices. So that, that's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, just be be good people and enjoy your scene. Enjoy your scene. That's right. Support your scene. Support your scene. All right. That's right. So thank you, guys. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. All right. Here's a, here's a song from Splattertooth. Yes.
I'm Justin. I'm Jody. From the bad parent. <laughs> this could be a while. All right. Hey, I'm Justin. I'm Jody. No, that doesn't work either. <laughs> now I know why nothing ever gets done in Hollywood. <laughs> hey, Jody. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jody. Hi, Justin. Do you like guys with beards? Um, sometimes. Sometimes? What about bald heads? Most of the time. What if there are guys with beards and bald heads with just deep rivers of blue eyes that just say, I love you? I tend to marry them. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if they're just a genuinely good dude, too? Um, I just friend them. Befriend them. Not befriend them. friend them. Not friend them. That sounds like a Facebook thing. What about thing? be friendly with them? Not too friendly. Not too friendly? Oh. Well, the Izzy Rock meets those requirements. He's bearded. He's bald. He's got those deep rivers of bluey, bluey eyes. You mean he's got triple Bs? Yes, triple Bs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a couple podcasts that he does. I knew that. Yeah. Tales from the Hard Side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the Block with his bestest friend ever, Scott Epic. Mm-hmm. And then he also produces the Gem City Podcast, which is a local, like, artsy-fartsy type podcast in the Dayton, Ohio area. So, Well, who knew? I know. I, I, basically, what I'm trying to say here is he's a good guy. You should go listen to him. Give him, a, give him a shout out. And if you like his stuff, you know what? Subscribe to him on iTunes. Also, you can leave him a comment. Rate, review, and subscribe, people. We'd appreciate it. And so would he. Yes, yes, he would. Oh, he's a, he's a dad, too. So the Bad Parenting Podcast loves the fact that he's a dad. So that helps out. Dads also, are great. Dads are great. Two cool sons. See, good dude. Reason good kids. We need more people like him. I agree. So, yes, yes. Listen listen to Izzy's shit. It's, it's awesome. Agree again. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye. I think your dog just farted. <laughs> My dog just farted. Cue inspirational music. Hey, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at the Izzy Rock, and I do a podcast with my friend Scott. I'm Scott Epic, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Scott Epic. We do a podcast called On the Block. On the Block. Go check it out. iTunes is Stitcher. If this sounds like something that appeals to you, do it. Go give it a listen. A wide range of topics we talk about. It's only an hour a month. Only an hour a month. And it could save your life. It could. And it the could. life of a child. It'll make you feel like you're not alone in the universe. Right? Yeah. On the Block. Go check it out. Hey guys, it's Izzy Rock. You like art? Well, I like art as well. And my friend Ray Taylor, who started the Inspired Disorder Collective, is an artist. And I want you to go to inspireddisorder.com, go to Ray Taylor's store, and check out all the badass art this dude has created. Put it in the code Izzy Rock. This is a sponsor for the podcast. Go support the Tales from the Heart Side podcast by supporting Ray Taylor. That's right. By supporting Ray Taylor, you can also support your friend Izzy Rock. So go to inspireddisorder.com and go check out the store. And when you check out, put in the coupon code I-Z-Z-Y-R-O-C-K. Later. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.